Welcome to the Mother of All Movement podcast with me, Catherine Meadows. I'm a Pilates teacher specializing in postnatal recovery and a mum to two kids myself. The aim of this podcast is to inspire and educate through chats with women who are either working through their own movement journey or work to help women get stronger and recover both physically and mentally after having kids. I want to talk about what they do, how they integrate it into their family lives and essentially why. Because I believe when we share our stories and our values, we lift each other up, enabling every mother to fulfill her body's potential, gain confidence in her power and give our families the best version of us to share their lives with. So join me each week to hear these wonderful women talk about their journey. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. And this week, I am talking to Lulu Adams, who is a personal and group fitness trainer based on the Isle of Wight. She's also head of exercise at the Mummy Tribe Retreats in the UK and has two little ones. And as we mentioned on the weekend, she is fully in the trenches with uh, the ages of her kids. So, uh, um, you know, I'm sure we can all appeal to understand what that feels like. Um Lulu rose to fame in the fitness world uh, by after training her great friend and TV personality Binky Felstead following the birth of her baby two years ago. And both of them speak passionately and honestly and uh, at the time about the real journey of postnatal rehab, which I really loved. And, um, you know, we can really appreciate people who have influence talking very honestly. So Lulu, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. No worries. Thank you for having me. No problem. Oh, okay, so start off, let uh, you introducing yourself in your own words, where you are, family life and all that and what you do. And then maybe tell us a bit more about how you got into doing what you're doing. Okay, okay. Um, so my name is Lulu Adams. I am a personal trainer with a pre and postnatal um, specialism, I guess you call it. I am based on the Isle of Wight and I have two little ones myself who are 20 months and three and a half, so quite close together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess I really got into the pre and postnatal world through living it. Um, I was into fitness before, I was a qualified PT before I got pregnant. I decided in my first pregnancy to take my knowledge deeper and do a qualification in pre and postnatal. Um, and I did a basic qualification, which is scarily quick. Uh, you literally yeah. do like a day workshop. And I left that and I, having felt the pregnancy myself, I was probably about halfway through. I was like, there's so much more to it. Um, there mm. must be more out there. And so I found a school of education called Burrell Education, um, led by a lovely lady called Jenny Burrell. Um, who basically takes that basic qualification and delves so much deeper and delves to the depths that we really need as women, um, which I found really, really interesting and really useful in my own pregnancy and became even more useful in my recovery because I ended up with an umbilical hernia, which was not diagnosed by my GP. Um, It was missed by them and a gynecologist, actually. And it was only when I went to see a women's health physio, enter Claire Bourne, who's a great friend of mine now, um, that I I had that diagnosed. And I kind of found the help to get that fixed, which I did have fixed. um, I think I must have been eight months postnatal. Um, and I then got pregnant and, uh, so, three so, weeks after my oh, surgery. Oh my God. Right. Okay. So yeah. just backtracking and explain yes. what an umbilical hernia is just so that people know, cause, okay. uh, cause I think a lot of people might have heard of the term. They're not quite sure exactly what it was. And when you say fixed, Why? you mean surgery. Yeah. 
Yes, exactly. So um, an umbilical hernia is literally um, where the connective tissue between the rectus muscles, which are your six pack muscles, that stretches during pregnancy. But then what happens with a hernia is literally that tissue then gives way. It just can't manage the pressure that it's being put under. And we have a feeling that that happened as a result of me pushing for, I think it was three and a half hours. Mm. So long phases can sadly actually end up just leading to that connective tissue giving way um it's not it's not that common um so people don't need to start worrying it's going to happen to them um and that's again why potentially it got missed just because it is quite rare and actually when I went to have it checked by my GP and my gynecologist my tummy was flat so there was no real signs that anything was wrong it's just that I felt it wasn't right I felt in pain at the end of every day I was literally doubled over I wanted to hold my tummy button in to give it some support um and it was small it was only two and a half centimeters and you can get much bigger hernias you can get smaller and sometimes depending on the size and the location and how the core is dealing with it um, you don't have it fixed and sometimes you have it fixed just with some stitches and sometimes you have a mesh implanted underneath to provide additional support so I had surgery and I just had um, the connective tissue sort of stitched back together Um, but yeah so I had a not so easy recovery myself Mm. and then as I've just mentioned I then got slightly well it wasn't accidentally I, I was planning <laughs> to have a second but potentially not this quickly I got pregnant yeah. about three weeks after surgery oh, oh um, which was so quick and my core did not have time to recover fully mm. so I still to this day have what's called a diastasis recti which mm. is where the rectus muscles have a gap that's wide it's I mean it's classified as wider than two and a half centimeters um Nowadays, we're starting to realise it doesn't matter so much about the width. It's about how that midline tissue is coping with pressure. But anyway, regardless, I I trans slightly. I have a diastasis recti and I've had to kind of manage that myself. So I think my passion for pre and postnatal fitness has come about from a realisation that recovery is not always straightforward. It is a lot of the time and I don't ever like to scare people, but I really, really love helping people who maybe slip into the gap of why am I not finding this so easy? Why does my body still not feel quite right? And giving them tools to just feel like themselves again, because I feel like your body, your kind of your shell is is sometimes a big part of how who you are and I think being in pain postnatally is never much fun Mm. because you have enough to deal with as it is let alone being in pain so if I can somehow help assist empower women with the knowledge to know how to manage that pain how to potentially correct it then then I'm doing a good thing basically and that's what I get passionate about and um, were you always um, always into fitness before you had your kids? Was were you sort of I don't know, the sporty person at school? Or was exercise a big thing for you, or did it just sort of happen? Did you fall into the fitness industry sort of uh, later on? Um, so I definitely growing up I was sporty at school I was sporty and then at university surprisingly enough I found alcohol (laughs) and going out and that kind of fell by the wayside so I'd say I definitely picked it up again in my mid-20s I kind of just got to a stage where I was just feeling a bit over the whole kind of drinking scene and started to lean on the fitness a bit more um but it's definitely always been an anchor for me it's been something Mm -hmm. that's been a good um 
I guess a way to clear your mind to get your focus off anything you're worrying about because you just sometimes you know in sport specifically you don't have time to think about what what you're worrying about outside of the sports pitch so I was a hockey player so you've just got to think about what's happening on the hockey pitch and that in itself is is a good um, distraction from from life and I find that's still the case to this today I find I use exercise as me time so even if it's only 20 minute workouts which is often what all I can manage with um, my two little ones and my job um, that's enough it's 20 minutes of I say essentially moving meditation really mm. um so yeah so it's definitely become an anchor for me again um and you moved to the Isle of Wight is am I right it's a few years ago but you were in London yes. before that I was, I was London for quite a while I was born and bred in London really oh, okay. um and then we moved out um let me get this right I think we must be six years ago now uh, my husband owns a restaurant down here okay and if you'd asked me eight years ago if I thought I'd be living on the Isle of Wight in the middle of nowhere <laughs> um I'd have thought you were mad, but I love it now. It's a complete contrast. We are yeah. literally in the middle of the island. We're a mile and a half down a bumpy track <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Um, so it's a bit of a lifestyle change, but I love it. I and love was it. there a specific reason for moving out? Because I'm also a born and bred Londoner, moved out. And for me, it was the complete sense of overwhelm that I had in London. But was yours associated or was yeah. it yours a, a job situation that you, because um, of your husband was, had that opportunity? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a bit of both. So the the opportunity came up through my husband's restaurant and I think it just massively coincided with me being like, I'm just so done with London. Mm. I'm so done with the lifestyle, literally being around after work drinks and, and what where you're going drinking at the weekend. And mm. I just found it was just repetition, repetition and the same thing day in, day out, week in, week out. And I just, I think I craved the space. I craved some fresh air. I craved a change, I think. Yeah. So it, um, it definitely came around at a right time. I definitely think I jumped at the chance rather than hesitated and thought, are we really doing this? I was like, yes, we are doing this. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it came around at a great time just before we had the kids as well. So it was great. Oh, right. OK, so you had both of your kids on, on the aisle rather yeah, than both in London. Spread on Lovely. The aisle of right. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Um, so did you learn, uh, I mean, you mentioned that you obviously went on this sort of slightly rubbishy personal uh, training course for pre and postnatal, and then you went on Jenny Burrell's one, which was yeah. after you had been pregnant. But even even with, with um, going on the Burrell education one, did you then also learn something through your own experience that sort of, um, that, that was even more than the theory that you had learned in the two qualifications that you'd done. And then, and then also when you started working with women one-to-one, um, presumably you developed even more of a sort of, you know, practical based, um, experience. I think, I think the main thing that I really have taken from my own experiences and teaching clients down here is the emotional and um, mental side of it all and mm. what an impact that can have on our bodies. Um, uh, looking back in hindsight, I think I probably had a prenatal depression and anxiety with both, mm. but kind of ignored it and got on with it because aren't you meant to be happy during pregnancy mm -hmm. and grateful that you've managed to you know, conceive because lots of people struggle with it and I was and I sort of you know, suppressed those feelings for that very reason and dare, I didn't dare say I'm not enjoying this mm. so I just kept it to myself and then um and then actually I think I only really confronted those kind of issues that were bubbling away after my second one was born I felt completely overwhelmed by having to um in terms of 
Um, the emotions involved in parenting too. So I had the physical needs of a newborn and I had what were becoming more and more emotional needs of a toddler and then trying to manage exhaustion and find some me time in all of that, which was just mental and exercise fell by the wayside. That was like first thing that had to go. And I just felt really, really alone. I think I was just like, Oh, this is, this is mad. Um, and I see, I've seen it in clients too. And actually, because I've been through it, I find I'm more able to maybe spot the signs in them and maybe know how to phrase the questions and ask the right questions just right. to say, are you really okay? Mm. Um, you know, and it, and it allows me to tailor the session. So sometimes they come bouncing in because they've had a full night's sleep for the mm. first time in six mm. weeks. And they're like, yeah, I want to go today. And I'm like, right, let's do that. And sometimes they come in and the shoulders are hunched up around their ears and I can see the bags under their eyes and they're just not themselves and they look a bit shaky. And I'm like, should we do a bit more of the deep diaphragmatic breathing, the relaxation stuff and stretch out the upper body so you've got a bit more space and you feel a little bit more free to breathe deeply. And sometimes that's exactly and all they need. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and that, I think, is the side of things that I think is very easy to ignore if you've not had children and you're looking in and, and maybe hypothetical parenting, you know, oh, when I'm a mum, I'm going to work out three times a week and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Mm. It's very, very easy. I did it too. Yeah. Um, and and it's just that empathy, isn't it? It's just knowing knowing what it can feel like. And, and yes, yeah, setting the expectations. So, um, so knowing what we can expect of ourselves, what I can expect of mums as a trainer. You know, sometimes I set homework for them after sessions, but I always say, look, if you can, if you do have time, give this a try. But please don't worry if you don't. Because, you know, training plans without children can be quite all-consuming if you really are looking for bodybuilding goals or this, that and the other. And we're not potentially there as a mum. Unless yeah. we're professional athletes. So, so yeah, so it's managing those expectations and, and those, those emotional sensations that we go through. So, so you very much approach it in a sort of quite holistic sort of way. I know you talk yes. quite a lot about food as well. Um, and yeah. is that something that you've found to be hugely important oh, or really beneficial absolutely. for you? Like it has to be everything. There's... Yeah, yeah, massively. And I've actually formed a really close uh, relationship with a lady called Christy Coleman, who's a nutritionist. And a mum herself too, um, because again, coinciding with like my anxiety and depression, like really um, ramping up after the birth of my second born, I think I was nutritionally deplete in quite a few mm. key minerals as well. And it was talking to Christy that um, really led me to identify that. Um, NHS, your GP can run blood tests for you if you're not feeling 100% after birth and you think something's not quite right. But mm. actually what Christy told me, and not to... Not to um, speak badly of the NHS at all, but their, their um, limits as to what is normal for yeah. various um, minerals is, let's say, X, and that is narrower than yeah. what Christy might call normal. Yeah. Um, or, sorry, wider, maybe. I can't remember which way around. Um, but basically, Christy would... I, I showed Christy my blood test from the GP, and whereas my GP has said, okay, this is normal level, Christy said, actually, I still think that's quite low, so let's treat that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's trying to help mums navigate 
that side of things on top of feeding their baby and doing this and doing that and the other mm. because it is so important that you feel healthy in yourself mm. so yeah I do strongly believe that rest nutrition and exercise all interact to be kind of like that self-care kit for mums basically mm. and with the mummy tribe retreats I know that like just having looked at your website you can see that it's literally not just about getting them moving there's everything involved yeah uh, from mind as well as food as well as relationships as well as a whole load of stuff and was so was that something that you and Binky wanted to put into it right from the start that you were showing yeah it was everything I think so I think so it was it was um it was thinking what we needed as mums ourselves when we became mums and it was um it was that advice and help because it's all good and well picking up a book on baby sleep and baby feeding and this, that and the other. But it's always so much more meaningful and tangible when you're actually talking to someone face to face and they can read you and they can sense what you need to hear. And there have been some absolutely amazing experts that we've had along to some of the retreats. There's Heidi Scudder, the parent and baby coach, who has actually helped me personally with both girls on a sleep front and mm. an eating front. She was really helpful when Effie, my youngest, um, had a cow's milk intolerance. Mm. And rather than waiting for GP tests and allergy clinic tests and this, that and the other, she really helped me navigate that myself and have the confidence to do so. Um, and she's a sleep wizard as well. And then we've had um, the amazing Anna Martha, who... Um, oh, she's incredible. I yeah. know, isn't she? And oh my goodness, she got a group of mums, I think it was one of the first retreats, maybe the second or third round the table and I don't think there was a dry eye around that table because we all were like that's how I feel she's so good at encapsulating in like a sentence how everybody feels it's it's unbelievable yeah yeah Yeah. she's you know she's got three she's got Florence is is still very very young Mm. um and I think that's what makes it so amazing and um and I think that session still resonates with me to this day because I mean there were 12 mums of different corners of the UK, all different backgrounds, different stages of life. And yet we all sat around that table and we found a common theme. And that mm. is what Mummy Tribe is about. It's about finding that tribe mentality. Yeah. Forget where you're from. Forget your story. This is us as mums and we're in it together. And it's not easy. And let's help each other. Mm. Because I think women through the ages, we've just been brought up to eye each other up. As soon as you put women in a room, it's like you literally look around and you're like, right, who am I going to like? Who am I not going to like? And that's like an instinct. But give it two nights is what you have at Mummy tribe and that is broken down and suddenly it just doesn't matter where anyone's from what their life story is because you're in it and that's it and we are in the trenches we've got young babies and it's hard Mm, and that's and that's what I think so magical is is that unity that we end up with on the last day and I guess from somebody like you know I always think of those reality tv shows like Binky came from that that actually the whole point of them is to pitch people against each other, girls especially, to have yeah. that kind of like, oh, yeah. she's against him and who's talking about that and da 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 And yeah. so to have somebody like her to be able to say, we're all in this together, we all want to bring it yeah. from her background makes it sort of yeah. even more like, look, I know, I know what, what era I've come from. I know what it, what, what I'm yeah. famous for, but that's not it. That's not me. This is, you know, it's so much yeah. more than that. We're all about it together. I think that's really yeah. a really powerful and thing she's, for her to be and able to do. And Binks is brilliant about 
throwing herself in the thick of it and discussing it all because she's she's always she has not changed from the day one of that show um mm. she's always just been herself like beautifully honest just really really easy to get along with and fun I mean she is the party starter mm. on the last night of mummy tribe every time her playlist comes out and she will get you all <laughs> dancing and that's what's so nice is again I think people might have preconceptions about what it's going to be like meeting her and yeah. she breaks those all down as well and she's yeah. just in there with you no makeup on you know talking about lack of sleep the night before and making a coffee and and just easy to chat to which is which is lovely so yeah that's yeah, so magic um and and you know go, going on from talking about her particularly as as and her influence um we talked a little bit when we met uh, at the weekend about responsibility on social media when it comes to postnatal yes. return to fitness yeah. binky's got yeah. 1.4 million followers as i checked today you've got yeah. eleven thousand on instagram yeah and so both of you have some really awesome influence when it comes to directing women in the right way to exercise and get yeah. strong and be signposted in the right way. And is that something that both of you had always just taken on as it was just a natural thing? You were always going to do it in the right way. Or did you make a sort of conscious thought? I need to say this. I need to think about the way I'm saying uh, this so that. I think I think I certainly did because I'm obviously looking at it more from a professional point of view like that's my job title I'm a pre and postnatal specialist so whereas I can do workouts nowadays which is burpees and boxing and this that and the other I don't necessarily put that on my feed because Mm -hmm. I think if people are looking for me specifically on social media or they stumble across me through hashtags it's usually from a postnatal one so I don't want to be in any way suggesting that that's the sort of thing that should be included in a postnatal workout so yeah I I think twice when I'm posting mm. um and also because I look back to when I had my hernia and I was desperately looking for help yeah. and advice on social media because we do now don't we it's not yeah. just google we look on we look on instagram and stuff as well and I was finding such conflicting advice and I found it a little bit scary so um yeah, I talk a lot with some really passionate other sort of professionals in this in this industry about getting it right. Um, and it's an ongoing battle because it's not it's not regulated. So we do we do have to be careful. And I think we do have to encourage without calling each other out for sure, because I don't want it to become a bitchy place. No. But I think we do, we do have to sort of remind each other of, of the sense of responsibility that we have. And in terms of Binks, I mean, we've actually been working recently on a little project because she is asked time and time again, oh, how do you get, how do you, how do you look like that? How do you do those sorts of workouts? Like my kid's the same age as yours and yet I don't look like that and I can't do those sorts of, of, of burpees and things like that. And so, um, what we've come up with and what we're going to be launching in the next month or so, I hope, um, is an ebook, which is very much setting out how Binky and I work together on her return to fitness. And what I mean by that is how we went from, the days after she gave birth to India to Mm. where she is now, which is doing F45 workouts, Mm. um, sprinting, running, this, that, and the other, and how she built herself up to that. Because as much as she does put those big workouts on her Instagram now, she very much wants to tell her followers and share with her followers that's not how she started. Um, It was slow. And and maybe we should have at the time, but we didn't share as much of it on social media because actually those those first few weeks after birth are quite intimate. And and it wasn't necessarily something she felt comfortable with. No, I mean, some do. There are influencers now who are literally documenting everything from the day after birth, (laughs) which is great. I think Instagram has changed slightly in the last like two, three, four years to being a lot more of like, I'm going to really educate or show every single day or something like that. Whereas maybe, you know, when Vicky had India, she was probably like, you know what? 
I, you know, I've spent the whole of my life in front of the camera. Can I have a couple yeah. of weeks? <laughs> yeah. And I think each their own. I mean, I switched off my social media account after Effie was born because A, right. I wasn't feeling great. But I just I saw that as one of the reasons why I was mainly maybe feeling like I wasn't doing as well as everyone else. Mm. So I switched it off. And I think and not that Binks was feeling in that way at all, but she yeah. just needed her space. And it was mm. getting used to your firstborn, which is always, always a huge shock to the system, isn't yeah. it? So, yeah. um Yes, you just chose not to. And I think I think, you know, and now she's found that she's actually in the right place and space to 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 share it all now. And I think sometimes having that bit of time to reflect on stuff can be quite useful as well. Um, so that's what we're doing, which is really exciting. Wonderful. We've done the images, we've Amazing. done some videos, so that um, hopefully with a bit of editing, we should have that ready before Christmas, which will be amazing. So we're excited to share that. And I, I think, uh, you know, like you said, um, there's that comparison that a lot of women do. Uh, oh, my kids are the same age and I don't look like you. Yeah. Well, uh, did you? I, I always look at that and I, in, in, when I'm in a good space, my head goes, yeah. yes, but you didn't look like that before you had kids. Like... Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I can't compare yeah. myself to somebody who looks like Binky or somebody who looks like a, a, anybody else because the other actually, yeah, exactly. I, I never look like that. But what what I need to compare myself to is how do I feel? How functional do yeah. I feel? What pain am I in? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that stuff. The things that the only things that I'm trying to change are in order to be able to do the stuff that I want to do rather than to yes. literally change my outside look to look like somebody else. Yeah, so, it's it's hard though. I mean, you look really at our tough. media, you look at yeah, the Daily Power. You know, they celebrate mm. the yummy mummy. They celebrate the woman who's back in her jeans at oh. four weeks postnatal, yeah. or less than that even, yeah. and she's on the school run and she's shopping and she's doing this. I mean, I was nowhere near out the house at four weeks oh, postnatal. God. But yeah. that's the problem is we do have this slight. We still have it. I mean, as you say, luckily we are now we're seeing it more on social media. People sharing their real postnatal bodies and this, that, and the other, which is great. Um, but the the old school media, the one that we still see, is still slightly hooked on that obsession with wow, look look how great she looks just yeah. after, and it's focusing on the aesthetic and what what they look like and who knows what they're feeling like inside. Mm. Um, and that again, I come back to my own experience and the experience I have with clients. I think that emotional well-being is almost more important than the physical, to be honest, in motherhood and in mm. early motherhood well because there's so many people relying on you um that there's no point beasting yourself in the gym if you're just going to be exhausted when you get home and you know that's that's my thinking anyway I mean Absolutely, and I came yeah. from someone who you know when I was 25 26 I was training every day for doing several classes a day and I don't have the time for that anymore no. um I was conditioned for it back then and I loved it but life's different now and I've got to I need I want to spend time with my kids I want to have the energy to be on the floor with them playing I want to have the energy to take them out to the farm and things like that and and you don't you won't have that if you're overtraining. so it's it's finding that happy balance and I just genuinely feel if, if you've got your emotional well-being looked after then everything else will kind of fall into place yeah and we've also we're, we're very lucky as well. Body positivity is becoming more of a, a theme these days. Mm -hmm. um, and what, in terms of whatever shape or size you are, let's let's accept where we're at. And the whole no diet culture as well is another biggie that's on the rise, which is amazing. Um, and it's just that learning to be comfortable in your own skin and, and, and prioritizing happiness over shape or size, really, which is amazing. Yeah. I yeah. think um, I, I definitely agree with the overtraining thing. I think the the first 
the time that I realized that I was doing things not in the most beneficial way for myself was when I would be sort of really hoping that my son didn't want to go out for the day or something like that because I'd have been yeah. at a CrossFit class in the yeah. morning and be yeah. like on the sofa two hours later yeah. just going I am utterly <laughs> shattered please yeah. don't want to go out can I just, just put the TV yeah. on for you for like yeah. three hours and then thinking what no this is this is completely wrong. I should not be spending more time and more energy on yeah. my recovery and going to my classes. I should be spending that on my son and spending time, you know, with yeah, him and, while and I can. We've still got we got to we got to bank those screen time sessions for when we are ill and when we're feeling <laughs> run down because that's yeah. there's nothing wrong with a bit of screen time when no. you do need it. But that's that I'm I'm the same as you. I kind of I felt guilty if ever I've done that because I'm like, well, I inflicted that on myself and I'm not a professional athlete. So yeah, I could have trained yeah. smarter and done 25 minutes work of a workout rather mm. than an hour and a half mm. and still have time for, for the girls. So, yeah, it's a it's a, re, it's a rebalancing, isn't it, in motherhood, yeah. I think. Yes, yeah, exactly. Everybody, yeah, for sure. Um, so how do you, when a, when a new client comes to you, um, I guess it would depend on what stage they're at postnatally, mm. but so how do you structure uh, what they do and then how they build up to uh, build up through their sort of journey with you. Okay, so um, generally, so before anyone comes to me, they'll fill in a big, long, long form um, detailing. Uh, if we're talking about postnatal client, detailing their birth, uh, the delivery style, and their recovery so far. And I design all my workouts, especially postnatal, around the breath. Um, because it has so many powers it is our life force um, it can provide it can help switch us from fight or flight into rest or digest as and when we need it but also it's also the key to a strong deep core so the core itself the deep core muscles you've got the diaphragm the pelvic floor the tva which is that corset muscle that wraps all the way around us and the multifedus which are little muscles running up and down the spine and that core unit works a bit like a piston and a lot of those muscles are used in breathing so by learning how to harness the power of the core through the breath it means that we can actually use the core like a powerhouse it's always called the powerhouse in pilates to um, power our movements so we learn to use the exhale breath on the effort of an exercise so that's usually and it can be a little bit of a tricky one to get your head around mm. especially if you've done yoga because it actually turns yogi breathing on its head and does it does things the other way around um so first few sessions are very much getting to grips with the breath so learning how to breathe into the belly and the rib cage rather than the chest and the shoulders um because most mums tend to breathe up in their neck and shoulders yeah. for a number of um, one of which is the diaphragm is actually restricted during pregnancy because bump just grows and the diaphragm doesn't have room to move as it normally does. So we get used to that short, shallow breathing pattern. But then, you know, throw a toddler and a newborn at them and they're, they're stressed because they've got so much to think about. And when we're stressed, we naturally grip with our shoulders and breathe and heave up into our shoulders. So it's, it's undoing a bit of that to begin with. And also a deeper breath loads the... Um, the deep core muscles. So you relax the pelvic floor on the inhale so that you can contract it on the exhale breath because you cannot strengthen a muscle without lengthening it first. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think of a bicep curl, if you had that arm constantly in a curl, you can't strengthen any more than that in that position. You have to be able to extend the arm first 
and then bring it up into the curl if that makes sense it's quite a tricky one not to be able to do visually yeah but um <laughs> it's the lengthening and the strengthened thing that I try and really hit home to them because if you think about it the core is the area of the body that kind of sees the most change during pregnancy mm. and childbirth so that's usually the area we want to start with but having said that I'm very quick to get mums off the mat so as good as well as as good as it is to do some of these deep core exercises on the mat so they can focus on them and feel them and know what it should be feeling like we also need to use that in a functional way because mums don't spend their lives lying down I bet many of us wish we did Um, but we're moving and we're lifting and we're carrying so it's then learning how to use that in functional movements so I look at functional movement patterns so you've got the squat the lunge the the deadlift or the hip hinge push and pull and then you've also got rotation and gait as well Um, so yes we start with the basics we start with the breath we learn how to um, co-control contract the deep core muscles together and then we learn how to co-contract them in a functional way in a bigger movement and then we layer up so I start with simple movements so you'll just do a squat and then I start to progress by maybe making them more complex so it's a squat with a press overhead um, or a lunge with a press or um, you know combining movement patterns Mm. and then obviously use the very um, traditional principle of progressive overload. So we look at increasing the weight as we go. We constantly want to be challenging the body because you don't see change in the body unless you force it to change. And that is changing variables. So yeah, it's it's a long process. And luckily, a lot of my mums kind of see that they're not coming for a quick fix. They want to, they want to feel good and feel strong for the rest of their lives, which is, um, which is good, because that's like, that's how I like to teach them. Yeah. And I think what's really interesting listening to you going through that is if there are people listening who go went straight into like a, a baby boot camp thing, a mummy and baby boot camp yeah. thing, or or just nothing to do with a baby as well, going straight into a hit class or a mm-hmm. circuit class or something yeah. like that, yeah. um, or doing their own training, A, they're either going to be on the spectrum of, oh, well, I just went straight into like squat jumps and uh, burpees yeah. and things like that, or they're down in the sort of, postnatal yoga postnatal pilates where they spend a lot of their time on their back and not being into a functional position and so but even if they do spend some time there there isn't that progression up into standing and up into doing functional stuff so a a lot of the time what I find is people are on that sort of either end of that pathway but not not progressing from one to the other with a clear line going all the way through which I think is by far the most significant thing but you have to start with the breathing stuff in order to create that foundation to be able to get up to the next bit you can't just jump straight into the burpees and running and whatnot no well you I mean you can and sadly people do but the problem with that is often you end up with injuries Mm. um and it'll be injuries that sometimes don't seem relatable so knee pain is a very common one Mm. um but there are reasons why knee, knee pain is so common. It's because there's restrictions in the glutes, which means it's pulling on the IT band, which means it's really affecting the ligaments around the knee. And let's not forget that our ligaments do tend to weaken um, during pregnancy in order to allow the pelvis to widen and birth the baby. And it, it takes a little while for those ligaments to re-strengthen to their pre-pregnancy strength. So you can't, I, I mean, if you don't get injured doing squat jumps 12 weeks postnatally, then it's a miracle. Um, mm. And you'd, ha- you'd hopefully you'd be very well conditioned for it. But um, I think you really are taking risks with your body if you jump straight back in. And I know often it's to get that endorphin hit. Um, but 
I the reason I love teaching classes and and teaching one to one is because I can show you very quickly with a set of weights you do not need to jump to get a sweat on and get that buzz yeah um I think it's a it's a common misconception that you have to go balls to the wall jumping around to get that to get that buzz you really really don't but you know it's education and I think I think sadly it's not it's not wide wide stream yet yeah yeah absolutely I think that's that's really important and so do you what do you keep on an eye out for as concerns or red red flags as your clients are passing you know through their training with you um so we we have a long list of red flags uh well no it's not that long um but generally speaking what I try and say to women is take note of how you're feeling during immediately after and in the 24 hours after your session and so we're talking specifically about the pelvic floor Mm. so any sort of leaking any sort of heaviness or dragging or the sense maybe of a tampon falling out um, because that can be indicative of just some sort of dropping down um, of maybe some of the pelvic organs Um, but we're also looking at the joints as well um, so just how things are feeling around the pelvis. I struggled in my first pregnancy with pelvic girdle pain. So I had pain around right. SI joints in my back, in my lower back, but also um, at the joint, basically at your pubic bone. Um, so any sort of niggles around there and then knee pain as well. Um, so, yeah, and then obviously down the midline, down your tummy, we're looking for any doming um, or troughing is the other other thing we're looking out for mm-hmm. and that's just a sign that the um the connective tissue between the six-pack muscles isn't coping well with the pressure you're putting it under but generally speaking i find so doming and troughing are ones we normally see during a workout but and that then maybe the niggles in the pelvis or the knees you might feel during but it's the pelvic floor dragging or leaking um or changes in urgency um, to go for a wee or a poo, th- those are the changes we're looking for immediately after and in the 24 hours after. Mm. And it's, you know, sometimes some of these um, red flags, as we call them, they might be a sign that we need to see a, a healthcare professional, but they might just be a sign that we found your ceiling and actually we just need to bring it back a level and build the strength at that level below yes. until we can step again. It's not, it's not a you won't ever be able to do squat jumps, it's just that you're not quite there yet and let's be smart about it and, and think about the long, the long game that's the word I'm looking for yeah and, and I think the other thing that we uh would be g- good if we all talk about a little bit more is that th- like having little setbacks like progress isn't linear our life is quite can be can be oh, challenging all the way through yeah. the year you know like you just yeah. said your your little one has croup at the moment yeah my daughter yeah. just had it as well if you have yeah. a random sleepless nights you know my kids are yeah. older than yours so generally we're pretty level but there's going to be random sleepless nights there's going to be random stressful times and then my body is going to respond in in a way that I'm going to have a little setback and I need to be compassionate to myself about that and I think it's really important that we don't just go oh yeah we're fixed that's it I can just do anything I can't expect myself never to get injured or have any pelvic floor issues again And that's something similar with my diastasis recti. So um, Claire and I, every time I see her, I'm getting her to check check my check my gap, as it were. <laughs> and I've had times where it's widened because yeah. I've been particularly stressed and my posture's been quite bad and I've just been putting it under more strain without me realising. Mm. Um, and then there've been times where I've been really on it and it's and it's closed. And that's the first time it sort of widened again, having narrowed. I got really disheartened. I was like, oh my god, it's never mm. going to fix. But that's the beauty of me having a friendship with a 
woman's health physio she was like no it can change it can change and as you say it's not linear and I will probably forever be aware and more hypervigilant to what's going on in my midline tissue than than Binks for example whose whose gap closed very quickly um but that's not a problem because it's just how I train now and I think I think that's it's the change in outlook and mindset postnatally that we really need to adjust to as well but you're but you're totally right it it can it can take a while to get used to yeah yeah exactly um okay so if uh you know what's your your what's your biggest piece of advice for any woman right now not somebody who's coming to you directly for training but uh anybody Mm. else are we talking new mums or just anyone yeah new mums or I I mean yeah new mums or Um, just people who are starting and thinking do you know what I need to actually do something for myself right now and 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 now I want Uh, to get stronger um okay train smart and be kind to yourself so um I would definitely try and highlight the importance of intertwining the emotional and physical bodies Mm. so as we just talked about if you're not feeling great it's fine take the day off it's Mm. it's not the end of the world it's not the end of your fitness journey it's just you're just putting it on pause for a minute um because I think learning how to de-stress puts your body in a better state to start training again when as and when you're ready Mm. and train smart recognize where you are in your journey don't worry about what the lady next door is doing who's got a baby the same age is yours or is it the same is also pledged to get fit just like you have you're both coming at this from a different a different place a different lifestyle as we we're just talking about we all come from different backgrounds we've all got different life stories um so take a personalized approach and whether that maybe means seeing a PT for one session just a one-off session just to get some tips and advice or postnatally seeing a women's health physio just to get an accurate picture of where you are at with your pelvic floor so that you can then you know be aware of that when you're training I think that's that's the super important bit is not to assume there's a one-size-fits-all approach to fitness in any stage of life Mm, yes yeah that's that's brilliant um Okay, so who uh, who or what inspires you? Oh my goodness me! <laughs> um, who or what inspires me? Um, I think people who feel confident enough to show or share their weakness, or talk about it, or confront mm. it. So I found it took me a long time to confess, uh, admit to myself, let alone admit to others that I was struggling, and I think. Um, life teaches us lessons it's it's not that you failed at any point it's when something bad happens or you 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 fall into a bit of a rut it's not necessarily why has this happened to me it's what's life trying to teach me and what what can I take from it and I think that's something that's yeah really taken me a while to get used to but I've sort of turned it on its head now and I you know it's I've had I've had two clients actually who I've trained and it's only been after we've stopped training and we've sort of maybe gone our separate ways for years or a couple of months and then they've come back to me and admitted that you know they realized they were having issues too and it's Mm. it's a very brave thing so I think anyone who's sort of yeah taking their life by 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 the shoulders and just saying yeah, okay, this is where I'm at. I think that's that's amazing. Yeah. And not just trying to follow the crowd. Yes, yeah, that's mm. really lovely. And uh, so what do you want to inspire in others? Either like oh. some people who come onto your Instagram or social media in, in some way or people who actually uh, see you at like um, workshops and events and things like that. What do you want them to get from you? Um, 
I think exactly that. Like, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be the fittest in the room. It's okay not to be the cleverest in the room or the prettiest. Um, I think the best thing you can be in life is kind and open um, because we're all in this together, is whether we're mums or not mums, whether we're boys or girls, we are all in this together. And I think if we can all be kind to one another, because um, I love it. I love it when, like I was as you know, I was teaching at the weekend at a, at a, a postnatal festival. I love it when people come up to me and ask for some advice or some help because I'm, I'm, I've got this knowledge and I'm more than willing to share it. Mm. And I get messages on Instagram all the time. And I'm not one of those people who switch my notifications off because I love reading it. I love the fact that people have found the courage to ask. They said they've looked at me and said, oh, you kind of know what you're talking about. I might ask you. And I love helping them. So, yeah, be kind and and it doesn't matter if you're not the best in the room, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. That's really, really brilliant. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's that's great. Thank you so much, Lulu. It was really interesting no, listening to you no, because I think it, yeah, I think it really helps women set up kind of that knowledge and understanding that that there's a big difference between people who have done just their standard during their personal training qualification type yeah. one day yeah. and people who've yeah. done much more than that and so yeah. you know I'd really encourage people to delve a lot deeper really question people they go to yeah. whether it's group fitness or personal training to check that they're yeah. they really have more knowledge oh, yeah. and experience one thing I'd mentioned there actually something that Burrell, Jenny Burrell does offer is there is something called holistic core restore and it's well worth looking that up at whatever stage you are in your female and your women's wellness journey whether you're perimenopausal postmenopausal pregnant wherever you're at she has a range of classes and coaches across the country that teach these in-depth courses mm. so they're definitely worth looking up if you if you're looking for where to look I think that's a good place to go oh uh, yeah okay great uh, I mean I'll put that in the show notes so if someone's listening and they need a quick yeah. quick to be able to uh, link on it then yeah. uh, take a look at the show yeah. notes and I'll put that in yeah that's a really yeah. good point okay. is just being signposted in the right direction for for yeah. women rather than sort of like you say, scrolling around on, on Instagram and going, well, that yeah. person looks like, yeah. kind of looks like they know what they're doing. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Because Instagram can give one impression. Because um, I know some great people and stuff who just don't have the time to make everything look pretty on Instagram right. because they're busy helping women. Yes. So I think, yeah, that's something to remember is Instagram is not everything, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, thank you. It was really, really um, great to speak to you. And, Anytime. Yeah, and hopefully we'll meet again soon. Another sort of yeah, festival eventy type thing. Exactly. Love that. Okay, right. dokie. Thanks, Lulu. Bye. Thanks so much, Catherine. Bye. So that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Do remember to check out the show notes and rate and review the episode. Hop on over to Instagram as well at love underscore movement underscore Sussex to let me know what you think and any comments or feedback you have. I always love to hear from you. Join us next time to hear from a new brilliant guest.